0: Hello a chhoeso i Academy yr Academi Genedlaethol ar gyfer Ararwynyddiaeth addysgol yng Nghymru. Podlediad sy’n ranannu materion ac arferion arwenyddiaeth allweddol ar draws y sector addysg ym Mang Nghymru ac yn Hello and welcome to the podcast from the National Academy for Educational Leadership in Wales. A podcast that shares key leadership issues and practices across the education sector here in Wales and internationally.
1: Hi, I'm Trevor Jones. I'm the head teacher at the School of Craven uh, in Conwy, North Wales, a designated Welsh medium school. Also, being associate with the uh, academy for a period of oh, I think it's three or four years now um, and have been working with colleagues on uh, a commission around the Welsh language and culture.
2: Um, I'm Karen Wathen. Um, I'm head teacher of Danes Court Primary School in Cardiff, um, a large English medium primary school um, and I also am part of cohort two with the Leadership Academy and we're going to be sharing our experiences around our commission with you this morning with our podcast.
3: Hi then, my name is Ian Gerrard. I'm the head teacher here at Escalaba Conway in Conway. I'm also uh, an associate uh, of the National Leadership Academy here in Wales uh, in cohort two. And I'm delighted to be able to share our experiences with you here this morning in this podcast in relation to, uh, to our commission um, and follow up work um, in relation to the Welsh language in schools.
1: So I'm looking back about three years and I am thinking back to uh, the Cliff Hotel in Gobert and being handed this question, this mammoth question around the Welsh language and thinking, how on earth do we get our heads around responding to this I've got the question in front of me here. Um, what is the role of education leadership in realising the vision of a Wales of vibrant culture and thriving Welsh language? Um, what, what went through your mind, uh, Karen, when you heard that question, first of all?
2: I think there was really... There was huge anticipation, wasn't it, in the room, because we knew that the we had the remit letter, we knew that our commission was going to be based on some element of what that remit letter was, and I think... Yeah. Was there an audible gasp? Um, I think because we know that it's so, well, we know that it's so important, but we also know that it's quite emotive, you know, and it was going to bring, it was going to, you know, bring lots of debate, wasn't it? And it was going to bring lots of conversation. Um, you know, I think we all felt very passionately proud to be Welsh. You know, we're, we're members of the Leadership Academy in Wales. We were, you know, a very, a very strong cohort, Um but this was going to, to test that, really. It was going to test um, our, our professional relationships, our dialogues, our conversations moving forward. So I think it was, yeah, um, it was definitely a moment of, of, all, of all of the remit letter. You know, this is what, what, you know, it was going to be about the Welsh language, culture and heritage. But um, I'm going to say that fast forward, you know, sort of three, four years and, and the positive outcomes that hopefully we, we've been able to glean from from that process.
3: I think. Um, I think also from from my perspective, I think um, perhaps didn't realise it at the time, but a really a timely piece of work as well with the advent of curriculum for Wales and with um, you know, schools thinking about um, how to enhance the the, the kind of um, you know the the status of the language, perhaps, but also um, you know the uh, the most effective ways of, of delivering um, language education. But also, you know, thinking about the context of their curriculum and how, um, you know, we we enhance and educate children um, in in that kind of cultural element of um, of what it means to be Welsh and uh, and and what it means to live in Wales. So, um, I think looking back on those aspects and really a timely opportunity to reflect on um, where where we come as an education sector and perhaps where we wanted to go as that curriculum comes uh, comes on stream as well.
2: And I think the power of that. Potentially was also about the people in the room, the fact we were a diverse group of of school leaders, you know, um, be it our, you know, what our schools were, where they were geographically within Wales, what what language, you know, it was that was was the main uh, language stream of, of the schooling, um, you know, whether we were small schools, rural schools, federated schools, faith schools, you know, large secondary schools, um, you know, I think it, I think that absolutely was an enabler for. Diverse conversation, which was and turned out to be, you know, a a complex a complex topic initially, um, and finding our way with that,
1: and so so gave birth to the to the term tensions in the system or tensions in the room. Um, and I think I think from my perspective, um, a broad thrust of those first few meetings was to address those tensions and to get a a, a genuine and general understanding of what the perspective of everybody in the room was, because, as you say, it was a wide and quite a, a diverse um, group of um, school and establishment leaders who were together at that time, and uh, we needed to visit that almost to be able to agree on what the best way forward was moving from that. I suppose, moving forward, I suppose the question, the question is, how did that change your perspectives over time, you know? How did you... Um, what was your journey from the start to 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 the end of the process of putting the commission together?
2: Absolutely, it was around perceptions. I remember one of the first things we did, wasn't it, was was to be writing, you know, sort of what were our what were our perceptions and were and were they, you know, and to be honest about those, you know, how were people really feeling? What was, you know, the current situation for us as schools? Where did we where did we feel perhaps we weren't feeling if, if we were English medium schools for example did we feel really included in this agenda did we feel that we were you know somehow you know requiring to to move even greater progress because we weren't Welsh medium schools and, and that Welsh wasn't our first language and I think we needed to balance that with with you know not forgetting around the culture and heritage um I think we felt very you know that that we were you know, wherever we were geographically within Wales, or the language again, that our schools were were strong schools and were moving forward with that agenda. But okay. I think, you know, we needed to to really unpick and be able to have that open, honest, professional conversation. And that's the one thing I will really take from this is I, I think, you know, perceptions at the beginning for me, were then became you know informed, constructive, um, research driven. Um, international visits you know supported that I think it just enabled different perspectives to be to be drawn into the conversation um, and, and to have a much broader more more holistic view actually of, of perhaps something which you know I did feel um, you know passionately about and really strongly about but you know definitely informed my thinking.
3: Yeah I think that's right and I think from, from my perspective I think something that I realised um, very early on in our, our research and in our conversation was that I think of, of all the areas that um, you know, we work within as head teachers, I think uh, it's clear that uh, it was clear the, the disparity um, between uh, uh, provision maybe, but also um, kind of support um, and approaches that seem to occur at, across Wales um, in this particular area um and, and I'm, I'm sure the, the reasons for that as we know now um are, are kind of historic um and are you know for a very valid reasons of uh, of context um uh, and, and language diversity i guess within different areas of wales but um you know it, it did it did become clear that um you know if you're a school in in conway perhaps your approach to some of these issues would, would be quite different to uh, you know, being being a, a school in, in Cardiff, and um, and I think that's not necessarily the case in other areas of our work, um, but uh, you know I think it's been really helpful from from my perspective as a head teacher, never mind as an associate, to to kind of to see and understand. Um, those differences and that that disparity and, and to reflect on the way that I lead in this area within my own school. and hopefully the the work that we've done, um, the report that we've written has enabled other head teachers to re- reflect on that as well and to consider their own uh, you know their own work and their own strategic vision um, for developing Welsh language and culture in their own
2: schools. I think the commission you know enabled to really raise action points, didn't it, for Welsh government and for the middle tier. And, and as co uh, as associates who are then representative um, of, you know, the, the teaching profession and, and at school leadership, I think was, you know, actually a real, a really positive impact of, of the commission report itself. I think what we what we were able to do was was draw from and we didn't just these were not just our own opinions. These were opinions through um seminars through um constructed interviews through you know a whole range of of, of sort of stakeholders that we discussed in order to form our informed i suppose not not my own opinion these were informed opinions for, drawn from a wide range of stakeholders
1: I, i'm going to i'm going to take you back a little bit because um I, one one element that you um Talked about Karen or mentioned was the um, the international visit, and uh, we all spent a few days together um, in Bilbao, the Basque country. Um, it, it, you know, it's fair to say it was a, a really enlightening. It was a really enjoyable time. We worked really hard, and we were taken around a lot of schools and a lot of establishments, and we learned a huge amount. Um, but I'm just wondering, um, what impact did those visits have informing your views that then um, informed the the commission moving forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was it was a very interesting visit in the sense that it posed the questions of how did you know a country um, which is part of Spain, you know, really protect its own its own ancient language and enable that to then be, you know, the the main language of, of the Basque autonomous community. Um, and I think, you know, it just really was, you know, fascinating to go and look at how they had structured it, how had government um, enabled, been the enabler, actually, how had it led, how had it... Done that, you know, in, in actually a very short period of time, you know, over 30 years, really, you know, in a very in a very small window to actually shift the balance. And I still think there were, it was very interesting around the fact that although um, all schools were taught through the language of Basque, you know, there were still um challenges for that system in the fact that children then speak Spanish outside of school. Um, you know, and I will I will just refer back. I was watching Hugh Hugh um yesterday um, in his Welsh programme, Hugh Edwards, you know, um Wales, who do we think we are? And and interestingly, he was within Welsh schools, um, and they were having the similar conversation around children who are speaking the language within their schools and they're not not using that language outside of schools, potentially. Um, and you know, and actually asking the question, you know. Is it just education's job, you know, in order to do that? So I think yes, it raised lots of questions. I think it definitely, and and some of those resonated with the particular challenges that we face here in Wales.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's right, and I, I certainly I, I share those those uh, those memories and um, and that experience. Obviously, I mean, yeah, the the abiding thing that that strikes me or or, or struck me as we as we completed that trip was the fact that you know, when we asked children about their, their kind of language and their culture, they, they all said that they were definitely Basque. You know, they felt Basque, but their language of choice was Spanish, you know. Um, and I think um, and, and that that was really interesting for me. And, and I think perhaps immediately, perhaps disaggregated in my mind, um, that, that, that kind of connection between um, culture and language. Um, not, not to say that the, that the connection isn't strong. Of course it is, but that you... You you can be Basque um, without speaking Basque or without um, without feeling that that's a necessity at least. So so I mean that that really struck me as interesting and and again kind of reflected on that as I came back in in my own context. But I, I think the other thing um, that really really struck home to me was just the sheer um, uh, volume of resource and commitment um, that had come down from from on high over the last. Twenty or thirty years to, to make that happen, um, you know the and and the necessity of that. You know, if we want to move that forward, it is necessary um, to retrain every single member of staff in the profession um, to be able to work through the medium of Basque, um, and that's a huge undertaking, isn't it? And I think it it was, it was clear to me that you know this hadn't happened by chance. Um, it hadn't happened because government had said we think this is a really good idea. Can you run with it? Um, it had happened because the resource was there and the commitment was there behind it. And um, and you know it just shows that you know these things don't happen by accident, but they, they do need a massive amount of input and resource, don't they, to, to make them happen?
2: Yeah, and, and I think that the historical element of the Franco dictatorship and the way that they had oppressed the language was very very recent. So while we had that similarity, don't we, of, of the fact that happened in Wales, we've had generations in between. And so there was a real sense of actually protection and about actually wanting to recapture identity. Um, so I think, you know, I, I came away um, interested, fascinated by, the, you know, lots of the sort of, you know, I remember visiting the museum, didn't we? And we, we looked at the sort of the history around the Franco dictatorship and what had happened within the Basque country and, um, and 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 drawing that as information around how that could begin to inform you know what was happening you know here in wales um i think i i feel really strongly about that co-construction though and that there is inclusivity and that we all feel part of the process uh, and, and that we have you know um we have to understand our contexts um and potentially you know looking to how what does that framework look like then with the flexibility um, within it so I think I mean just even just you know talking it through with you this morning you know and and, and reminiscing and remembering that you know actually was was really fundamental in 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 supporting and shaping uh, certainly my own you know my own professional development and my own professional learning and how that's impacted then on the commission moving forward.
1: I, I absolutely agree um I think the it's a related um It's a related comment, I think, but my takeaway off the back of that was how efficient the um, lines of communication were between the government through the middle tier, I suppose, the Basque middle tier, and how we got to schools. Um, There was a a single office, effectively a single education office on a local level, and messages and strategies and initiatives were Um, developed uh, developed in government, the the Basque government, it was taken through that system and directed to schools. So there was very little difference in the type of messages that were sent into schools. Because of that, the consistent approaches that school could take to address what was seen as national priorities um, was, was, was really strong. I think really informed my input into the next stages of the commission about where the messages needed to go and what type of messages we needed to send around consistency in messaging, synergy, and I suppose consistency as well in the behaviours that we saw around middle-tier organisations when it came to supporting and challenging schools in, 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 in this area.
2: Yeah, and, and I think one of the main things we also saw, wasn't it, was that, that, that the role of the language plan sitting within the school improvement plan, you know, and, and it being, um, you know, not a document which, you know, it, it, if I can be, you know, if I'm going to be a bit controversial, wasn't something that you would beat schools with a stick, really. You know, it, this wasn't something that if you, you know, uh, if if you were not where anybody an external body deemed you should be on that plan somehow you know you, you you were you were failing or you weren't doing the best that you could you know you could and I think again I think it's how that is interpreted and how that is communicated uh, and, and having that through the system but I think it certainly supported me and you know and look I want to reduce workload I don't want to be uh, writing plans for plan's sake but I definitely think it it supported the dialogue around the role of the Wesp, the role of the school improvement plan, where you know potentially that we we could have a language plan which sat inside that, which was an on, which was an evolving document, which was one where you know we would be able to see that continua of where we needed to go and aligned with curriculum for Wales. You know, so I, I think the blue sky thinking at that point was is could this be something which you know, um, would be a recommendation that we could really take forward and look at how how schools could feel that they were part of this process, but that it was not short term. This is a long term aim and ambition, um, and in order, you know, you have to be um, really communicating that clearly and effectively so that you have high engagement. You know, rather than it that that, that rather than this is what we're doing. That that almost dictatorial dictatorial level, and and a sense of well, I'm switching off here because we know as school leaders, the system is is saturated, isn't it, with 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 many initiatives and you know and a new curriculum happening at the same time.
1: It, I think I think we could all agree that the the visit and the um, what came out of the Basque Country was a barocca for the soul. The challenge of putting a commission together move from being a face-to-face process to being a a virtual process, a Zoom and Teams-led process, so to speak. I'm just really interested to hear what your reflections are of that change and the challenges we faced as a team in trying to um, keep the momentum going, keep putting this together, but also having to do it when physically we hadn't seen each other for for, for probably up to, a, up to a year, if not a little longer.
3: Yes, thank you, Trevor. I'd, I'd like to thank you for reminding us of those halcyon days of uh, of dealing with, the, <laughs> dealing with the COVID outbreak. And and yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There was, was clearly for a, a hopefully brief period of time, a, a kind of distraction, um you know from from the focus that we'd had on on the on driving the commission forward um, but you know i i think i think once we kind of got over that i don't know two or three month period of of kind of pause and, and dealing with, with with things on the ground as it were in our own schools i think um as i'm sure is the case in many other areas of, of our own leadership you know we, we kind of we found ways of working um and, and actually on reflection um Probably, you know, moved us forward significantly. I mean, you know, we, you know, you, we can imagine, and I'm sure recall the, um, uh, you know, the difficulties of of all having to travel to Cardiff or, or you know, a single point when we wanted to to progress the work and, and suddenly, just getting together on Zoom for half an hour on a Friday afternoon be, became a much more productive way of of working. Um, and actually, you know, just from the sheer mechanics of, of getting a piece of work done. Um, you know, meeting up in that way, identifying some tasks that had to be done and, and, and moving those forward, you know, between then and the, the next time we met w- was actually, I think, a, you know, a good way of doing it. Um, I, I think we were fortunate that we'd sort of reached that point in the piece, hadn't we? You know, I think if we were if we were still trying to you know, get people together and, and hold focus groups and, and gather evidence and that kind mm. of I think that would have been more challenging. Um, but on reflection, the process of, um, of trying to publish um, a piece of work uh, around our research was actually facilitated by the position that we, we found ourselves in, if I'm honest. Although, you know, at the time, we were all really unfamiliar with that way of working. It, and it took quite a lot of sort of working out and, um, uh, you know, identifying. But, um, but yeah, I, I think in hindsight, I, I think we managed those challenges reasonably well. And certainly, although it perhaps took us longer than we might have anticipated you know we, we got through that and, and produced a you know a really valuable piece of work I think.
2: Yeah the, 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 those meetings whereby we'd been face to face and suddenly I was at the kitchen table you know and we were we were having conversations wasn't it and and actually you know and there was a pause you know when we when we first went into lockdown and suddenly you know life life changed you know um, beyond recognition didn't it you know and we had to be managing our own schools and our own hubs and, and and opening all of that and actually then though finding the space um, and time to to really have the have the you know the reforming of the group really in order to then take the commission forward um, you know and actually I, I agree with Ian the the sense that actually we could do things more quickly we were able to you know have our meetings we were able to, to you know to, to time frame them in that sense. Um, uh, without the travelling, although you know, I, I do miss I do miss uh, seeing you, you know, and, and and having and having conversations in person. But I think at that point, I think it, it did. You know, we were able to meet with um, other groups. We were able to, you know, have have those meetings set up. Um, you know, your windows of an hour um, became really important. And I think, you know, we were able to talk to middle tier. We were able to have conversations with with um, With those working in Welsh Government and we were able to to continue that that trajectory really and a momentum of of that commission.
1: Yeah absolutely and I think those those sessions they were probably more regular than what Mm. we would have met usually were really important not only to take the commission forward and I agree you know it, it took it forward far more efficiently I'd say but I think it was really important for us as a group as well that we were able to come back together and there was always a small proportion of those meetings that was there to ask how everybody was, how we doing? Are we all OK? You know, anybody got any challenges? And uh, I think it was, a, it was a really good, safe space for us to be able to to talk uh, as well. And I think from my personal point of view, I, I genuinely really valued those, um, those snippets of time. To be able to have those type of conversations with friends the people who know what it's all about as well
2: yeah and it was really interesting wasn't it to see how covid and we've digressed now from commission right because we're now on to covid but how covid was was manifesting itself across wales wasn't it and what different local authorities were actually doing and how it was being managed and actually some of those really key points that we were able to share then as associates across wales where I was able to take back to then at local level, be talking about that, you know, and sharing that information. So, um, you know, I I definitely think that, you know, uh, the the one, the, you know, this this huge event had actually probably enabled other other elements of of our professional uh, lives and our, you know, um, organisations, you know, to sort of come together and have and have those discussions. And I found them really supportive. I will say that. I think that, you know, this this really helped me, um, you know, and I think sometimes in school leadership, it can feel a little bit of a lonely place, can't it? You know, but but that well-be well-being check-in, that understanding about where we were. And then and then coming back on plan to talk about, you know, where we were taking the commission next.
1: <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine what you were telling your fellow heads about the, what the troublemakers in Conway were doing. I'm taking it forward a little bit to, I think it was about March, April, and um, we were, trying to put together everything we know, everything we put together into what we call recommendations at the time, which subsequently turned into actions and and a huge conversation just before we met um, a scrutiny panel to try and, you know, um, pressure test the commission around um, how important it was that the actions or the recommendations we put together were supported by research that we were really clear that we had to back up everything. Um, Our concern, really, about how impactful the commission actions were going to be and how we were going to present them, how we were going to sort of take them forward, what um, what was the strategy for launching the commission. I'm just wondering, taking you to that time, taking you back to that time, how you felt before the scrutiny panel, and what changed after the scrutiny panel after we'd heard sort of their feedback?
2: Well just, just just as it happens, Trev, I've got my notes in front of me. I found my little black book with my you know feedback written in big letters at the top of the page. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you know when you work so hard on something though, isn't it? I think we felt very passionately about it. I think you know, and and, and you know, my thanks to you know to, to a core group of people then who who because of pandemic potentially, but then led, you know, a lot of putting that together, you know, and that end, that final end piece really. But, but again, feeling all in, feeling very included, feeling very, um, you know, sort of protective actually of this commission that was ours and, and about what we'd done and, and then having to go through that scrutiny uh, and and be asked questions by you know um, colleagues who are within research who are within Welsh government who are you know um, experts within their field and to to have that feedback but to draw from that and say actually okay that's fine and that's feedback we're going to have a discussion around that and we're going to use that feedback to inform but we're not going to use that feedback to drive so i think we felt i i feel, felt that we were confident as a group um, that we had produced this commission and where we needed to take those reflections from observations, from external, from external people were fine. And we did, we did amend and adapt that, but it gave us some clarity, I suppose, about who were we producing the commission for? What was it, what was its purpose and what were we going to do? But I will, you know, I think I will take away as well, though, their positivity around they felt there was an underlying optimism for the common purpose about what we were trying to do. And also that it was the amplification of the professional voice uh, within this context. So I take those two and I think we stuck. I think we stuck to that. I think that that was really important and still for me underpins any future developments about where that commission takes us um, and the impact of that moving forward.
3: Yeah, I, I agree, Karen. Although I'm concerned that um, Trevor and I might have found our way into your little black book at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I mean, my recollections of uh, you know of that process were, were I think I mean, you use the word confidence, but I remember that discussion about um, using um, a- apologetic language in our in our report, um, and the fact that you know this. This was um, and is the the result of of research um, from uh, within the profession itself um, and that if we we felt and feel that, um, you know, we're reflecting that voice, that we should have the, as you say, the confidence to do that. Um, And I think also for me, and and, and I think that was the point when I, I really started to understand the positioning of the commission and its report, um, you know in, in terms of where it was going to go I and mean, we'd always said hadn't we that we didn't want it to become uh, a, a volume that sat on a shelf somewhere um, you know and that nobody ever read um, and, and I think that that's been proved to be the case hasn't it that um, you know the the the, the dynamic um, format that we, we've put it in but also the dynamic way in which we've engaged with other stakeholders in both compiling it but also um scrutinizing it uh, and then sort of publishing it and discussing it subsequently has meant that um you know a significant momentum around that discussion has continued and i think that all stemmed from that um you know that that process of of meeting with um uh you know with the people who scrutinized it and having that discussion around um making it a, a confident piece um and understanding where it where it should go to um, who, it sh- who we should engage it with, um, and I think that was a really helpful, a really helpful moment in the process.
1: It, there's an element of bravery there, wasn't there? Because I think we were all a little bit concerned. Because I think we all felt the same that this this message needed to go to government and it needed to go to the middle tier, and almost till that was sorted, the impact was going to be negligible on education establishments, school leaders, etc. So. We needed a scrutiny panel almost to um to give us that sort of, I suppose, I don't know what, what you'd call it, that I don't know if bravery is the right word, to be able to say those things. But I also think what came from that was we have to be really careful about how mm. we said it and who we said it to and how we took it forward from there. And um, I go back, I think, to the to the launch um which was, you know, a, a full hour of, um, of presentations and discussion. Um, and we talked about it being a positive blueprint for the profession. We wanted to be a part of it. We wanted to, to help take things forward. But in that launch, we had Welsh government officers. We had a message from the, the minister from memory. We had different speakers, for international speakers come in to take part in that, but we also had middle tier, um, representatives there, notwithstanding, um, school leaders. So the message was very relevant, but the work we did prior to that in making sure that everybody knew what we were going to say, why we were going to say it to give people the opportunity almost to get used to what we were going to say to prepare and start thinking about how we could work together. Was it, was it, was a really big positive. I will make this point, uh, at this point in the podcast, I don't think any of that would have been possible if it hadn't been for the uh, academy staff, the people who helped us basically to connect those dots and to square those circles. And uh, I'm referring to obviously Ted Wen, the, the, the chief executive, but also the team, including most notably Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte Thomas, who was brilliant at helping us in putting that launch together and making sure it had the maximum impact. I I never knew what the word socialization meant before. Uh, I do now. And um, I think it was a key element of how we were able to get in the room with the people who could make a difference um, in order for us to be able to help to inform that difference moving forward. I, I suppose that leads on really quite nicely to to sort of where we are now. And what's next? You know, um, we always said that the commission, once it was done, was great, but we never wanted it. We didn't want it to end there. We wanted to make sure that we were able to continue to support the development of policy and implementation of policy in this area. So I don't know, how, where, where are we now? And what do you think the, um, the aims are for for the future when it comes to um, to this commission.
2: I think I think for me, I mean, I, I will just be, you know, I suppose it'll always come back to that point of it needs to feel inclusive. We need to always be listening. You know, we need to be um, I think we we as a group and certainly me as an individual, through all of the process, you know, supported my my own knowledge skills and understanding about, about, about this and what was happening. You know, I think to change, you know, f- f- a part of this is, is still requiring to change mindset, but it's also about, you know, making it and continuing it to be within the public domain and continuing it to have its place for dialogue and conversation. I think we've become, you know, um, I think we've got to hold on to being confident leaders in, in, in what we do, um, but equally that, you know, and, and I suppose demystifying some aspects about this, because I think people will have very quick um, sort of um, feelings about sort of, particularly about language, even if we think about the word fluent uh, and I remember talking, you know, it, it, with a team from Welsh Government around that. What do we really want? What does that mean? Um, you know, it can be a fear factor if you're not a Welsh speaker and somebody says "Is the intention that we all are to be fluent what we're all passionate about is loving the language and wanting the language to thrive and what that means for me might mean something different to somebody else and I think we've we've just got to be recognizing that and um, it doesn't quite answer your question trev i know I, I know but I think it it just needs to really maintain itself as being as being something which is which is there you know which is talked about um welsh language is talked about we have the minister now for education and welsh language it's not just about welsh language it's about culture and heritage it's about feeling part of this incredible country we call home um so you know and being pivotal actually as school leaders to drive that forward
3: i think that's right karen i think one of the um one of the intentions of the uh, commission and the commission report is absolutely to um encourage and facilitate that that dialogue uh, moving forward isn't it amongst schools and amongst school leaders but I, I think as well um it's great that as um you know associates of the leadership academy we've had the opportunity to discuss this this piece of work but also you know just the um you know the the progression of, of language and culture within um wales with um you know a, a number of other stakeholders around the table and and you know as you know you know we, we sort of uh, we we're using that forum to work on some um uh, some elements of the national resource on evaluation and improvement the nrei and hoping to to contribute to that to um to help school leaders um you know develop their own evaluation uh, of, of where their school is at um, in this context um, and, and I think, you know, that that's a really important part of that momentum, isn't it? That, um, you know, it's not just a single piece of work. It has facilitated that that conversation. It has enabled us um, to get uh, to get people around the table and to continue that discussion, to provide some really concrete um, resource for um, for school leaders, you know, within the context of all the other things that um, that they have to do as well.
2: And, and it's not sitting separately. You know, this is what this is within the models, isn't it, that we have within Wales. So thinking about schools as learning organisations, you know, thinking about where does that sit? You know, we 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 know that there's documentation in the system, you know, which is supporting those questions, which NREI, you know, are also bringing. So it's dovetailing it is in so that it is part of the. Part of the fabric and part of the conversation and part of the questions that school leaders and schools will and and its stakeholders will make regarding, you know, the development of Welsh language, culture and heritage within our schools and communities.
3: Yeah, and I think that um, that ability to to kind of bridge not not only. Um, with Welsh Government, but also with Chartreith, um, um, curriculum experts, and um, the regions, you know, local authority, um, Wesps, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, is it, a really important opportunity to to kind of drive this area forward, you know, a, across the country.
1: And and um, uh, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you, Ian. I think um, and and what we could see now, off the back of the commission, is is an explosion of activity in this area welsh government have clearly um looked at it listened to it and are taking steps to move it forward and then um when you look at the responses we've had from the middle tier um it's been extremely positive as well um i think they've taken the messages on board and and want to work with us and more importantly work with the profession in order to take this forward as well Um, you know i think um uh, perfection is is the enemy of good in, in any situation and I think in terms of how we move forward over the next few years, it'd be really good to see some positive steps forward when it comes to actually being able to say that we're in, as, as you said Karen we're one country um, this is a country where we all live, we're all from different parts of that country and in those areas is very diverse and our um, identity is clearly aligned with that but as long as we know where we are and how we need to improve and more importantly why we're doing that, I think we're in a really strong place to move it forward.
0: Gobeithiwn ar Academy Spotify, Apple Google a, a penod. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leadership Academy podcast. Subscribe on Spotify. Apple or Google Podcasts and never miss an episode.